would you could what would you do what would you sacrifice to be a thinner version of yourself that was the question that fitness magazine asked uh, a thousand women and they got back some interesting responses 23% of them said they would spend a week in jail if it would get them there okay uh, 23, another 23% said that they'd be willing to shave their head if, it would me, if they could somehow, by doing that, get to their ideal weight. 22% said that they would wear a bikini on TV. And perhaps most disturbingly, 21% said that they'd be willing to trade 10 years of their life in order to achieve their ideal weight. Psychology Today ran an article, uh, and it was about the pressure that girls face about their image. It cited data showing that 40% of college-aged women said that at some point they had experienced an eating disorder. One of the young women they interviewed was a 17-year-old Chloe. She said this, Dieting made me feel like I was in control of something. It was one thing I knew I could change on my own. I would diet and I'd get positive feedback and feel really good. So I wouldn't eat for days at a time. You compare yourself to other people. I was in a restaurant with my boyfriend and a girl walked in who was really pretty and much thinner than me. I saw him glance at her and I went into the bathroom and cried. Boys are constantly comparing women to each other. That girl is really hot. She's so much hotter than her friends. So we compete to be the hotter friend. On particularly bad days, I can look at children and think, when I'm older, that little three-year-old is going to steal my husband. The quest for beauty can be deadly. When I think of what the, the world that Chloe is living in and the world that we've created... It's, it's scary for me. And the reality is we're all responsible for Chloe. We're responsible for having created this world that puts those kinds of expectations on her and on girls like her. But it's not just a cruel world for Chloe. We've messed up all of our world. And we're all influenced by it in various ways. We've been in a series called Ancient Wisdom, and we've been just going back week after week to a 3,000-year-old book of Proverbs and asking, what does God's word have to say about the big issues of life? And this morning, I'm hoping that Proverbs would help us to see beauty through a different lens. I'm going to ask you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 31. And we're going to look at a passage of scripture that many of you have read and most of you have misunderstood, or at least uh, missed some of the important uh, context that I I feel helps us to understand what what it's really teaching. So I'm going to start first by reading from verses 10 to 27. So if you would follow along, Proverbs 31, verses 10 to 27. An excellent wife, who can find? She's far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. 
She seeks wool and flax and works with willing hands. She's like the ships of the merchant. She brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household, portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it. The fruit of her hands, she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp doesn't go out at night. She puts her hands to the distaff and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hands to the poor and reaches out her hands to the needy. She's not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them, and she delivers sashes to the merchant. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, our first message here is for women to reimagine true beauty for their lives. This isn't a a new scorecard to rate yourself on, but it's a new definition of attractiveness to to adopt. Calls women to reimagine true beauty for their lives and gives us a picture of it. Now, many of you have heard somewhere along the line that these words are part of a poem. You may not have heard that scholars actually categorize this as a hero, hero poem or a hero song. The ideal woman here is pictured as kind of a a warrior champion for femininity. And here's why I say that. When you read in verse 10, at least in the ESV, it says an excellent wife. And it sounds rather, rather positive and domestic. But a valiant woman or a strong strong woman is probably a, a better translation. The main word that this word excellent, in fact, every... Every other place that this word is translated in the Old Testament never gets translated as excellent. It uses much more strong terms. In fact, the the most common way this word is translated is army. The army woman. Uh, It's also translated as valiant, as in valiant warrior. Strength, power are some of the other translations. This poem is about a warrior woman, a strong, courageous, valiant woman. It's a powerful woman. But there's other interesting language as well. The word for gain in verse 11 almost always gets translated with the word plunder. It's picturing this woman going out to neighboring towns and conquering them and coming back with plunder for her family. The word for food in verse 15, it's in almost every other context, it's translated as pray. It's like the woman has gone and attacked some wild animals and brought back breakfast for her family. And and you're starting to get this picture. Uh, The the whole poem is framed in these powerful words. In verse 17, it says, she dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. Again, the English is toning down the language, but the the phrase, she dresses herself with, uh, with, with strength, is, is a phrase that's almost always translated she girds up her loins. She's going into battle. 
And, and again, it's, it's warrior language. It is strong language. And she makes her arm strong. Like, she's not only going into battle, she's got the biceps to prove it. Like, this is a powerful warrior woman. Now, it's not that the translators just didn't see any of this or they got it wrong. If you were to actually translate all of these terms straight as is in a literal sense, most people would misunderstood, misunderstand what's being said. Because she's not actually a warrior. She's not really going out into neighboring towns and conquering them and ripping apart wild animals with her hands. That's not actually what she's doing. But this woman is described in a poem that looks like the songs that used to be sung to ancient heroes in order to help us to understand that she's being held up as a model of strength and virtue and giving women a, a, a hero to champion, a hero and an ideal to, be, to celebrate. It may be helpful for some of the women that are here this morning to just have a strategy for reading this. I think it's helpful to read this a little bit like a guy would watch the highlight reel of Cristiano Ronaldo. When we, if you're into soccer at all, when we watch a highlight reel of, of Cristiano Ronaldo, we're not, you know, we all recognize that none of us can score like him. None of us can shoot like him. None of us have his six-pack abs. Okay, we don't think, oh man, I don't have that. No, I can't do that. We're not thinking about that. We just watch and we watch how he dribbles, he passes, he shoots, and we think everything he does looks so cool. And if you play soccer, when you go out onto the fields, kind of in your mind, you're imagining that you're somehow a little bit like Cristiano Ronaldo. You're, you have him as kind of an ideal in your mind of the soccer t- player that you've always dreamed of becoming. So it's not so much as we look at this warrior woman, it's not so much as a scorecard to beat yourself down with, but it's this inspiration of, wow, no, that's it. That's the picture. That's, that's what we, we, we long for. So let's see some of the qualities that make this woman, woman so beautiful. The first thing she shows us is that devotion to family is beautiful. In verse 11, it says that her husband trusts in her. He has no lack of gain. Her husband knows that she's committed to him. She's faithful and responds to the family's needs. In verse 12, she does him good and not harm. She cares for her husband, cares for, his, cares for the family. She seeks his blessing. In verse 21, she sees winter coming, snow is about to fall, and and, uh, if you needed a hint here, snow is about to fall, it's coming, winter's on its way, everyone. But she's not afraid of that. She sees it's coming, and she's got the the parkas, the snow boots, they're, they're they're all lined up for the family. She's planned ahead to not only make sure that they've got the parkas and snow boots, she's got them the good stuff. It says they're clothed in scarlet. The red dye was a little bit more expensive, but she gets it anyway because she wants to show her family how much she cares. Devotion to family is beautiful. She also shows that diligence is beautiful. In verse 14, it says that she's like the merchant ships bringing food from afar. Now again, this isn't saying that she's kind of got a sailing background or or she's out like literally 
you know, in, in the ships working with the merchants. He should, he should like that. It's a picture of this impossible hero woman. Even though she lives next door to Loblaws, she goes the extra mile to get to no frills to pick up the bargains. And not only that, she slips by to Longos to pick up that little extra something special that she knows the family loves so much. She goes the extra mile. In verse, in verse 15, she's getting up while it's still night, still late, still night. And not only preparing food for her family, she's even getting food for the servants. Like, that's amazing, right? She's, she's at a place in her life where she could afford to sleep in. Let them get it themselves. But she's getting up early. She wants to show how much she cares for them. And in case there was any doubt about it, verse 27 adds, she does not eat the bread of idleness. Now, we've already got that impression, right? This woman works hard, and the point is, her diligence is a beautiful thing. She also contributes financially. In verse 16, she considers a field and buys it, and she plants a vineyard. And, and the implication seems to be, she's planting it all herself. Like, she is tough. She's a strong woman. In verse 24, the people in town have seen how nice her family's red snowsuits are. Guess what? They've come to her because they want to buy some of these things too. Her clothes are amazing. She's made linen garments that she sells to families. And she even has this specialty thing going. She's got this sash that she, she's made, and all the merchants want to, want to buy it so that they can trade and make a profit as well. Contributing to the family financially is beautiful. Now, in case we'd gotten the impression that she'd set up some kind of online business because she wanted to get rich for her own sake, she also shows us the beauty of generosity. Verse 20 says, she opens her hand to the poor, reaches out her hands to the needy. She cares for people and she gives generously. With all this waking up while it's still dark and getting breakfast ready for the, for the household, planting the vineyard, you might have gotten the impression that she was... She's all denim overalls and yoga pants. Like, she's, she's, she's got to get the job done, right? She's a, she's a hard worker. But verse 27 say, 22 says that her clothing is fine linen and purple. Probably not while she's doing the gardening. Probably not during some of these things, but her, her cli- clothing, fine linen and purple. She cares for her family enough to want to look the best, her best for them. Caring for your parents is beautiful. But all of this has been about, so far, what she does. And it's incredible what she does. But when she opens her mouth, what does she say? What, what, what kind of speech does she have? Verse 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Her faith in God and her love for his word spill out in her conversation. She speaks wisdom. But she does so with such a warmth that she makes it attractive as well. She speaks kindness. If you look carefully at the verses I read to you, I want you to notice that there is not a single command from verses 10 to 27. There isn't. This is not a new women's Ten Commandments. That's not what it is. It's not a scorecard for your husband on the, on the road ride home tonight to, to somehow score you or rate you. Yeah, you kind of got that one, that, but you're, you're a little weak in this. No, that's not what this is. 
we've said this is a, the, the, the model of amazing feminine beauty. This is something to celebrate, not something to score. Interestingly, it was as countercultural when it was written as it is today. In, we have, uh, not only from, from, from the Bible, but from other ancient Near Eastern documents, we've got lots of poems about beautiful women. We've got lots of songs about sexy women. The, those, those kinds of things show up all of the time in the ancient Near East, like they show up all of the time in our age. They didn't have any hero songs like this one. They didn't have any poems that would celebrate a different vision for beauty. And that's what this gives us. Today, one in five women would trade 10 years of their life to be a thinner version of themselves. Chloe needs to hear this song. Chloe needs a new vision of true beauty to see that there is beauty that goes beyond physical perfection. Chloe and others like her will chase a vision of physical perfection that can never, they will never attain and which will probably never satisfy. Proverbs 31 will give us a different vision of beauty. And we need to reimagine that true beauty for our lives. Now, while the women are given an inspiration a new hero to inspire them, the husbands are given the only command in this chapter. Husbands are to praise true beauty in their wives. They're called to value and appreciate the qualities the Bible says are worth celebrating in women. Husbands are to praise true beauty in their wives. Follow along as I read from verses 28 to 31 now. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands, and let her works praise her in the gates. You can read from verse 10 down to verse 31. You'll only find one command and it's not addressed to women. The command is to the men, and it comes in verse 31, give her of the fruit of her hands, let her works praise her in the, in the gates. 17-year-old girls like Chloe aren't going to stop worrying about whether they're hot enough unless the men in, the men in their lives start celebrating a different vision of beauty. Men, honor the, honor the beauty that you see in your wife. Honor the virtue, the character that you see in your wife. Verse 28 shows the children rising up and calling their mother blessed, and her husband's rising also and praising his wife. Do you know why there's all this rising up? It's like the mother comes into the room and they're like, whoa, there's someone important here. They're, everybody's like looking around like, this is someone worth giving some attention to. This is a woman that should be celebrated. It should be lifted up. It was a sign of honor and respect. The point is, honor virtue. Honor virtue, the virtue of true beauty when you see it. 
Look at how the woman, look at how the husband speaks of his wife in verse 29. Many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. I can almost guarantee that Chloe has never heard her father say that to either his wife or to her. I don't think Chloe's heard true beauty celebrated. And so she goes without the only vision of beauty she's been given, and it's the Instagram model. That, that's, that's, that's all she's been given. And so she has to compete. She has to work. She has to try and perform. Praise the virtue you see in your wife. Praising the virtue you see in your wife doesn't mean you go through the, 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 the list from verse 10 to 27 and score your wife as if she had to somehow perfectly attain all of these things and, and compete with Victoria's Secret models. It's not saying that. What you and I do have to do is to look for hints of any of these virtues and notice them and appreciate them and celebrate them and, yes, praise them. And we also need to reject the false vision of beauty that we're given. We need to reject the Instagram model vision of beauty that burdens our wives and our daughters. Verse 30 confronts that. It says, uh, it, it confronts the charm and the beauty that are at the center of this world's vision of beauty. It calls them vain and deceitful. They are deceitful because they trick. They, they, they give a, a, a false picture. It, it's not that there's anything wrong with beauty in itself. This isn't down on beauty. This isn't down on physical attractiveness. Other verses will tell husbands to delight in their wives' physical beauty. It's, it's not that that's wrong. It's just mere beauty. It's just that single one-dimensional version of beauty that is being attacked here. Mere beauty is a problem. One commentator has said, beauty is said to be deceitful because it passes away. Eventually it passes away. And with it, the hope of happiness that is based on that beauty. If that's all that you're counting on, if that's where your focus is, as that fades, as nature shows us that it does fade, then your hope of happiness fades with it. it we were at, at Laugh on Thursday, and we like to we like to laugh and tell jokes at Laugh with our with our uh, retirees and and. Lynn shared this joke. She said, women marry men hoping that they'll change, but they don't. But men marry women hoping that they won't change, but they do. And th- that's kind of the, the deceitfulness of, of beauty that this, pa- this uh, verse 30 is uh, really getting at. Christians need to have a different definition of beauty than the world. It has to be different. We have to have a different vision to give to Chloe and girls like her. Husbands, praise true beauty in, their, in your wives. Now, many of you have probably read Proverbs 31 and assumed that it was written by an old man, right? It must have been some, some, some old guy who was, who was writing these things. But let's read verse 1. Proverbs chapter 31, verse 1 says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. 
the poem that we got about the warrior woman started with a woman. Came from a mother. These words about true beauty are the words of a mother to her son. And so when I read the passage, I picture uh, a woman looking down at her young son. Maybe she's, she's still nursing him. Maybe he's still a baby. And she has this hope or dream about how she might change the world, how she might impact a nation, how she might even shift culture. As he slept in her arms, she thought about how true beauty was ignored in her time, how false beauty was celebrated and praised. She saw how women were devalued and men treated their wives like objects. And so what she did, she thought about the qualities of true beauty that ought to be celebrated, but weren't. Now, she didn't possess all these qualities herself, I'm sure, but she saw qualities in women that ought to be recognized. They ought to be celebrated. They ought to be affirmed and lifted up. And then she rolled up her sleeves and she did some hard work. She did some hard work because she took these thoughts and these qualities and she wrote them in a poem. Verses 10 to 31 are what's called an acrostic poem, where each letter of the Hebrew alphabet starts off each line of the poem. Take some, take some time to do that. You've, you've done, many of you have done similar kinds of poems like with someone's name and each, each, uh, each line starts with, a, with a, uh, a quality about them or a line about them. Here she goes through the entire alphabet to celebrate women. It's the A to Z of feminine beauty. It would have taken time to do that. It would, have, it, would have been, it would have involved a lot of work. But having done it, it then would have been easier to memorize. And that was the point. Because she's looking down at her son and she says, I want him to see this. I want him to see a different picture of beauty. I want him to grow up with a different vision of what to look for in women what to celebrate in women, what to affirm in women. She began to share that poem with her son. She'd, I think, read it at mealtimes. She'd maybe sing it at playtimes. She'd talk about it quiet times. And soon her son learned to sing along. Slowly, over time, he learned the words too. The very first words of the poem ask, an excellent wife or a valiant woman, a warrior woman, who can find? Like, who can find someone like this, right? She taught this poem to her son with the hopes that it would guide his choice of a, a wife someday. That it would steer the kinds of women he looked for and the kinds of qualities that he noticed. In verse, in verse 29, she penned that beautiful expression of love many women have done excellently but you surpass them all. We don't know, of course, but it's my guess she never heard those words herself. It's my guess that her husband didn't say those words to her, but she put them in a poem to say to her son, this is how women, women should be treated. These are the qualities that should be celebrated. This is how you speak to a woman. This is how you treat your wife. 
you look again at verse 1, although it says that these are the words his mother taught, it also says these are the words of King Lemuel. That means that the only way that we got this poem is because Lemuel remembered the words. We didn't get it from his mother. She took the time, she made the poem, she invested it in her son, and she just kept singing it, kept talking it, and he got it. Her efforts were not in vain. Little Lemuel grew up and he became a very powerful man. In fact, he became the most powerful man in the nation. He became king. When it came time for him to choose a queen, it would have been so easy, because this is what kings do, not to think about diligence. What does he need diligence for? He's got all the money he needs. He's got servants to do all that. It would have been easy for him to overlook overlook the women who were generous and wise and just look for the prettiest one. Just settle for the world's vision of beauty. But every time he was tempted to do that, he just kept on hearing his mother's song in his head and realized that's not, that's not beauty. That's not what we're supposed to be celebrating. That's not what we're supposed to be looking for. And it guided a different search, gave him new eyes. And it reminded him that charm and beauty are deceptive and fleeting. Lemuel didn't remember everything that his mother taught him. I'm sure that. But Lemuel remembered a song. A song about what kind of woman to look for. About the worth of a woman who fears God. He remembered a song about how to bless and value and praise a wife. And how to teach children about the nature of true beauty. He got that. And it's an encouragement to all parents that... Your words are not in vain, that they can have a deep impact in the lives of people. And depending on the the course and the direction of those people's lives, they can have far-reaching impact. If you're a single guy here this morning, can I encourage you to rethink the way that you look at women? You can bring relief to young women like Chloe. Look for a relationship that's rooted in character diligence and wisdom, not just charm and beauty. If you're a woman hearing this message today, don't let Chloe's vision of beauty tear you apart and bring you down the way it does so many in our culture today. Let the hero woman poem that Lemuel's mother created inspire you, not condemn you. And let this mother's example give you a vision for how you can impact your world, impact your children. And if you're a husband or a father, you and I have got the only command in the, in the chapter. So would you take some time this week, take some time before God, and consider which vision of beauty you're cheering for. What vision of beauty do the women in your life hear you championing, celebrating. Let's start applauding the character we see in our wives and our daughters. Let's give them what this, what God's word would tell us is the praise that, that they deserve. And let's ask God for help as we do that. Let's look to him in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we ask your forgiveness for creating such an ugly world where girls have to starve themselves and character doesn't matter. Give us eyes to see true beauty. Help us to celebrate a new picture of perfection and reject the one that the world keeps selling. Father, I pray for your mercy on our daughters. Help them to find their worth in your acceptance. I pray for grace for our sons. Help them to see through the the vanity that the world would give to tempt them. And I pray for our families. May they be a place where new values are formed and your grace brings freedom to each family member. For we ask you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.